0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziegler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziglar. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So, we bring you the best of today's world influencers and their messages and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. In this episode, choose to win. Is it really a choice? Can you really believe that? I mean, the reality is if you're going to win, succeed, it will take a lot of choices, but of course the right choices. So which choices are the right ones? And that's what this show is about. So for 53 years, Tom Ziegler has been privy to a constant influx of the absolute best personal development has to offer self-help, best business practices, all of it. He's been CEO of Ziegler for 24 years, as well as being Zig Ziegler's son. Tom's a featured speaker around the globe, and now he has brought us the culmination and simplification of all he's been exposed to, learned, and added to in a really revolutionary way to walk out, help you walk out your personal success. So in this show, we talk through the core ingredients of Tom's new book, Choose to Win. It's a, it's a methodology, and we expound on the ingredients of, you know, we, we do have a choice. Uh, The absolute necessity of having a why is a big focus of it, Uh, but we get into an interesting discussion about the why not necessarily having to be so big, but it must be strong and intense. We discuss desire, uh, hope, and again, the right kind of hope uh, grit, and then the how goals. But we talk about how goals that word right there only resonates with approximately 20% of the populace. So if you really aren't thrilled by that big term, Hey, goals, set your goals. You're going to want to hear this message. Uh, We discussed the big kahuna of it all, I think, which is our daily habits. And which one, this is interesting, which one is most paramount? Well, Tom says he knows or what he believes, so he'll tell you. We finish the show by getting into his next book. Already titled and in the works, and this is just a foundational show, folks. If you are a fan of Ziegler at large and the message and methodologies, this is the show for you. Uh, you can find Tom's new book, Choose to Win, at Ziegler.com or, of course, wherever you get books, literally anywhere, uh, audio books, wherever. And as you'll hear Tom talk about at the top of our discussion, before we get into the meat of our topic, if you go to Ziggler.com slash coaching systems, you'll see a dramatic new offering for all of you who are or want to be coaches. So really uh, advise you to go there, Ziggler.com slash coaching systems, if you are or want to be a coach. All right, folks, so we are going to get started right after I share some products and services I believe will be of value to you. All right, Tom, this, you know, this book coming in to me felt like, uh, I mean, of course we've been walking together for a while now, but it felt like, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what, what a time as now for this to come out. And for you, I wonder, did it feel like, oh my gosh, it's been a long time coming to get this out as a culmination of a lifetime, uh, involved with Ziegler, either as a son or as a CEO and speaker and, author already. I mean, I know you co-wrote the one book with your dad, but it feel like a long time coming or did it feel like it came right when it was
1: supposed to? <laughs> Somebody said, how long did it take to write? And I told him 53 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what and there's, there you go. There you
1: go. Which so, is, which is the beauty of the book. I do feel like it came out at exactly the right time. Yep. Um, and I put a lot of work into it. In fact, once the idea kind of gelled, this is what I want to do. I did the Live to Win webinar for over two years, where every week I would teach essentially one of the components of the book. And so, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who was a part of that. I mean, we had yeah. hundreds uh, in that, and their feedback created, I think, you know, a lot of the pieces of the book that make it so great because it's also, you know, it's all it's an application book. It's not theory. Although I kind of get theoretical sometimes in the way I present things, but it's all theory that when you put it in practice, it works.
0: Well, and that's what I got out of. It. And obviously the testimonies that have come through already are to that. I mean, my gosh, again, you have been, I, I think I feel a little bit enamored with uh, you have been surrounded. I mean, I have been surrounded by personal development all my life. Uh, I, I was interviewed this morning and that came out and I mean, I grew up with this It was a silver spoon of encouragement and personal development and growth. And, and I'm so grateful for that. I, and I know you in yours is, you know, that uh, doubled or quadrupled, I think. And for you to see this and to sit at the feet of so much coaching and then to do it for so long. And yeah, you've been doing it. You've been speaking, you've been coaching, you've been writing, you've been leading so many people for so long. And for this to come out, I was just eager to get it. Cause I, I I want to see what are the things that you have gleaned out of this? And I've been hearing it bits and pieces as we've, done the pod, as we've done the podcast for years. But in getting into it, it just, it did. It felt, this is, this I can apply. This is, yeah, just as you said, this is, this is things I can take action on right now. And I really feel like you broke down and simplified so much of what we talk around. And I'm stoked also to see the momentum, or I don't know, maybe the momentum's still going, or this is just the tidal
1: wave uh, as you're already working on the next book. <laughs> You know, I sent an email this morning and I said, wow, look at this. So, you know, when you think of a book, most people just see the book on the shelf. Yeah. But we created a, the the choose to win mentoring program that I still teach online every week. Mm -hmm. We've got a 115 page workbook that goes with that. Then we've got the little book of big quotes for choose to win a little, you know, a little hard copy quote book that goes with it. We've got a digital journal, by the way. Podcast listeners, if you have a hard copy or an Amazon copy or a Kindle copy or an Audible copy, we we created a digital journal that's your partner with the book for you to take notes in. Uh, it's great for book clubs and stuff like that. And that's free. All you got to do is email me. I'll send it to you. Uh, and then we've got... Uh, Get, wait, for, give, that, give that email, Tom. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is great because uh, I love email. Tom at Ziggler.com. Very difficult one to remember. Tom at Ziggler.com. Okay. And, and I love email from our people. Um, it's always so encouraging. You know, I used to, I used to be, uh, I wonder how dad kept going. Cause it, you know, it was his lifestyle, the travel and everything, especially in your seventies can, can be tiring, but he was fueled by the people, you know, yeah. the people who said, Hey, this, this, this meant a lot, or I appreciate what you're doing. Um, then for our certified trainers, we created a, uh, a keynote that they can deliver. We've got a two hour workshop. We've got a nine hour course. This is all called choose to win. And yeah. now we're just launching our choose to win coaching system for coaches or people who want to be a coach. We've created a whole system around it. Uh, and the reason for that is kind of the anchor quote in the book. The fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. And a habit is simply a system for your personal life. And systems are just habits for your business. And the reason that coaches struggle, and we've got hundreds of them, is they don't have a system. They don't have the support. They don't know how to market, how to enroll, how to sell, how to manage their schedule. They might be a fantastic coach, but if you don't have anything to coach or anybody to coach, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So i look at, I look at just kind of, this is why dad used to say, Hey, the most, probably the most beneficial thing you could ever do in your life is to write a book about what you've learned and what you would recommend to those you love on what to be, what to do to be successful. Because when you put it all together, you realize, wait a second, it's got all these different legs and it takes you in places you never imagined. So it's just been cool.
0: I I love that you say that. um, You know, I got to spend a magical day with you and your dad, Zig Ziglar, years ago. And the amount of times he mentioned that, just, Kevin, you got to go write a book. But you put it that way, that everybody's got a book. And it's a message that you want to give, even to those you love and interestingly, so much of my writing now, as I'm working on a book comes from the little blurbs that I'll think of. I want to send this to my kids, which I do a lot. I'll send in a group text or group email or whatever to my kids. And then often end up expounding upon it and go, gosh, that's part of the book right here. It's, it's it's the thing that I want to impart to them that I have learned often the hard way. Um, sometimes the wise way, but, uh, well, I I want to get the title of the book, Tom, which man, this is candid. We're, We're, we're recording live here. Wasn't it going to be another title?
1: Yes, it was. What was it? It was called Live to Win.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the backstory on that is uh, Chris Dunham, one of our speakers, uh, he's just amazing. He has written several books. He traveled with dad for years. He said, hey, I got the title for your book. And he gave me this like five years ago at least. He said your dad wrote born to win, you need to write live to win, right? You're born to win, so go ahead and live to win. Uh-huh. Makes sense. So that's that's how we created the live to win series that I taught for 2 years. So we send the book thing to the publisher and they they love it. Uh we've had a great relationship with with Nelson and But they came back and said, yeah, we did the surveys on your book title. And it's kind of getting a meh. Wow. But we really like choose to win. Okay. And at first I was like, oh man, they're changing the title. Like this is personal. And then I was like, wait a second. It's the ultimate call to action. Mm -hmm. So it's really been a huge blessing. So
0: Well, and that was why I asked about it because I am... I'm enamored right now with, you know, getting to the root issues of personal growth, personal change, and that as we talk about creating good habits and, you know, granted, there are some people who came from privileged backgrounds. There are some people who came from very difficult, uh, backgrounds. And so it's, it's easy to throw out and say, Hey, here's what you should do. It is admittedly harder for some than others to implement things in their life, but that choosing at any given moment, no matter what we're in or where we came from, we still have the ability and the responsibility to make a wise choice, to make a better choice. And it feels, you know, irrefutable. And and while empowering though, it is still daunting. I mean, people to look at that and to take full responsibility of their lives and say, okay, so I am completely responsible for everything I do is also daunting though. It's almost like that fear of success. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been working lately on not saying words like I, I need, or I have to cause they're kind of victim words instead of saying, no, I, I want to do this. I'm choosing to do this. And so, yeah, I love the book, but then it is, I mean, do you, do you, have you found that that for some people taking the, taking the reins fully in essence and saying,
1: this is my choice. It's, I don't know. I don't know a better word than scary to some degree. It is. And it's also very counter the culture right now. Totally. Yeah. Because every message we get, especially on the political front is, Hey, you don't have a choice. I mean, you're a victim. So you, you need to vote us in and look, I'm, I'm coming down hard on liberals, conservatives, Uh, Republicans, Democrats, all sides, you know, the messaging is, Hey, just, just turn over your, you know, your decisions to us and we'll make life good for you. And that's not where it's found. Mm -hmm. We we've got to make our own choices. And so, so, you know, I, it's when I go out and, and do big events with people from all walks of life, Mm -hmm. you can just see some of the people in there, their, their heads are spinning because when you say, Hey, why don't you do this? Their, their baseline is, well, I can't. Right. And I'm like, no, you can. It's a choice. It's going to be harder maybe for you than somebody else who's had a different experience, but the choice is the same. Yeah. And that's a big one. Um, and it's, it's tough. That's, that's probably the biggest thing of all. And so, you know, the number one choice that I came out of the whole uh, program with is we got to choose our input. When we start choosing the right input, it makes all of our other choices easier. Oh, you're
0: still in my thunder. Cause I'm going to get there uh, on that one okay. specifically. I, but just going through the book somewhat sequentially and you mentioned it, or you, you, you said it in a statement there, the why, and you start off giving great, great, great gravity to the why. And I want to hit on that. I really like a statement uh, that you made saying that anybody can have an incredible day or a week or even a month, but to make your, uh, make your how extraordinary over your entire life, you need a big why. Okay. So, uh, professional cycling, that's my background. And back then it was early on. It was the advent of performance enhancing drugs coming into it. And, you know, we ask as you, as young guys ask, you know, is it really that big of a difference? And the response we got from some of the pro bigger, bigger pro riders at that time that were starting to engage in some of that was that, you know what, if you train well and you do your job on a given day. You can keep up with anybody. No drug is going to make you superhuman necessarily on a given day. It's really about those drugs help you recover quicker. So when you start doing multi-day events, like the Tour de France, you know, it's 21 days uh, of that. That's when it really comes into play. You've got, you know, f- and that's where they started taking these performance enhancing drugs to help them recover quicker so they could do that day in and day out. Because it's almost superhuman. I mean, they don't do running marathons 21 days in a row for some big event. I mean, it's, you know, it's thought of it was ridiculous. For some reason we do that in psych. So back to this, the why. And I thought, man, you need a performance enhancing. Why you need a superhuman. Why to do again? You can just like you said, that's why I like it a day. Can you be on, on a high for a day and be motivated and be going forward for a day? Sure. A week. Sure. Maybe even a month, but to continue that on throughout the year, that why has got to be so big. And yet you talk, you mentioned a minute ago, Tom, culturally it feels like culturally we're in a time where people have less of a why or less people have a why.
1: Yeah. Or they think the why is out of reach. Okay. Or I'm not worth a why. Okay. Right. Or, you know, well, if I get a why I'll just be more disappointed because there is no way to my why. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I did, which I don't know if, if other authors do this, but when I started really working on the book almost five years ago, I quit reading any of the books that were coming out around the subject. Okay. And it's because I didn't want to sound like anybody else. Uh, but the reality is is that when you study something and you, you hone in on the truth, you're just going to get different perspectives on really the same thing. And so now, now I'm like soaking up all these books that I missed, uh, that are confirming all this. And what, what people would come to me and they would say is Tom, I'm not sure if what I'm doing is the right thing. Mm-hmm. People like in a transition mode or a career crisis mode or a midlife thing, do I need to keep doing this? And your what's important. I mean, let's don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, saying that your what is not important, but it's not near as important as your why Yeah. and your why, when your why is clear, it changes how you do things. In other words, it amps it up. It takes it to the next level. And then that opens the doors of what, and a great example is how many super successful people started off as a waiter or waitress. And the reason they had that job is it was a stepping stone. It was making the money to pay the rent, to give them the extra time they needed, to learn whatever they really wanted. And so they weren't working to serve food or to be a professional waiter or waitress. They were working for their why. And then they realized, wait a second, the better I do here, the more my my attitude reflects my why instead of my what the 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 better tips i'm going to get and mm-hmm. so they get off they get offered jobs oh. right they they get the break because they're contagious and then the new job takes them in a new place and it's still pursuing their why and so all these doors start to open up i want to i want to ask you about the why uh, and it's something
0: that's dawned on me what dawned on me you no know, it's something that i've um, from from some recent interviews I interviewed in show 699, David Meltzer, and he talked about his primary motivation from a young, a super young age was just to take care of his mom. That was it altruistic granted, but it's not world saving. And, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because. Uh, you know, we're in the age of superheroes and super efforts and we all, the why seems like it has to save the world. And yet here he is. He just want to take care of his mom. Then we had guy Kawasaki uh, just recently in show 711, and he just wanted to afford initially a nicer car. And he, he, laughs about it and says, this isn't world changing, but he's grateful that he had a motive, something. So I thought, gosh, is it not? The, and I'll, I'll, throw this at you because I'm just pondering. I just wrote this yesterday in preparing for the interview. Maybe it's not necessarily the size of the why saving the world. We're not Gandhi, mother Teresa, whatever. It's simply just the strength of it, whatever it may be. And we don't have to judge it so much judge the, you know, how, how is it? How grand is it? Is it just strong enough to make us go do what we need to do? I think it
1: has to do with the intensity of the Y. Okay. Which doesn't have to do with the size of it. Yep. Right? I mean, I'm all for a giant Y, uh, but I'm also for one that gets you up in the morning and gets you excited. And it can be taking care of your mom. That's to me, does it get better than that? Yeah. You know, one of our uh one of our certified trainers, his name is Terry Linebarger. He's a he's a a certified financial planner and he, he tells the story about growing up and a single mom and at Christmas, a big Christmas was clothes. Hmm. And he said, when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, man, that's, that's not what it's about when you're a little boy. And he was joking. He said, he, he was joking with his mom about how many ways she could cook spam <laughs> And he, she started laughing. She said, honey, we could never afford spam. I had to get the generic version. Wow. And so now he's a financial planner. And then he told another story about how a a guy he went to high school with called him and because he'd heard he'd been a planner and he said, Hey, Terry, I just, they were good friends. He said, Hey, my wife and I are going to have our first child. We're both teachers and I want to be able to afford to send my daughter to college someday, but I'm going to be sole provider in an educational field. How does that happen? Mm -hmm. And then he talks about how through 18 years of just a little bit every month, this daughter gets paid for college. And he said she recently came and spent a month with him uh, living at their house while she was going to pharmaceutical school. And he got Christmas cards from that family every year. And so that experience of he didn't want anybody to have to go through Christmas like he did. And then watching one of his good friends and helping that daughter. You see the why there changes everything. Yeah. So when you meet him and you're like, what do you do? He's like, man, my why is real clear. And that, that drives you. Yeah. And it, it, changes the, it changes the how. Which it opens. I,
0: I, yeah, I, I just love that. I, you know, I want people to hear that. That they don't. The why does not have to be some grandiose, altruistic, saving the world thing. It just needs to be something you care enough about to get you out of the bed in the morning and do the stuff. Do the, well, pursue the habits, which we're going to get into. You are listening to The Ziegler Show, and that segment from Tom Ziegler right there on why is worth rewinding. Then doing an exercise to audit some of the endeavors in your life. Why are you doing them? Some of you will realize they're vitally important endeavors that you're involved in, and you'll increase your motivation. Others you're going to realize are things you're doing that aren't worth the time and effort. Well, next we're going to discuss hope and two kinds of hope. One doesn't help you at all. The other one is required. So we'll dig right back in after I share these products and services we think will be of value to you. You also then talk about desire and and I really like how you paired it and what you said, a trinity with hope and grit. And hope, though, is another one that I struggle with that people take it wrong. Cause we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of folks who they hope to win the lottery. They hope to you know, get a fairy godmother. They hope to be swept off their feet by whoever. Um, that's not the kind of hope you're talking about. I want you to kind of dig into that or, or differentiate that hope as opposed to the hope that the, training, uh, you know, the young kid training every day for the Olympics and hopes that they will make the Olympic team. It's a very different type of hope. But again, I feel like it gets spoken out there of you got to have a hope and people aren't understanding what kind of hope that there's. And I, I don't have this defined. Maybe you do that. There's, you know, hope can be, we're we're not talking about fairy godmother hope. We're talking about hope for what, for something that you are what investing in, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll do the uh, the theoretical and then I'll do the okay. uh, tactical practical. So the theory of hope is you know hope is is the fuel on what on what we run. Mm-hmm. John Maxwell said if there's hope in the future there's power in the present. And so then then Dad brought it down to a very specific thing he he would he would say. Is there anything you can do in your personal family or business life in the next week that can make things worse? And of course we can, right? We can cuss out the boss. We can cut our hand off. Is there anything in the next week in our personal family or business life that we could do that make things better? Well, absolutely. Right. We could, we could drink some water and get some exercise and send the love text and all these things, you know, get the project done early and those will make things better. Well, when we, when we, Internally, in our head, when we say, Hey, I have the power to make things better or worse, or that, and the choice is mine, that's when hope is born. Mm. Okay. And so, now when I was talking about just digging into the books and the research that have come out while I was writing this book, I think it was Charles Duhigg, and he was talking about, um, I think it was his book, Bigger, Smarter, Faster. I've done so many books lately, Kevin, I yeah, could be wrong. I'm but sorry. anyway, he talks about how the research proves that motivation actually lives in the brain. There's actually a part of the brain where motivation is. Huh. And they've, they've done it. They've seen people have like many strokes in that one area. And they're completely, completely normal except for zero motivation. They're like literally these AAA type personalities are literally totally content to just sit staring at the wall 12 hours a day. Hmm. But if you ask them, hey, can you do this or do that? They'll go do it. And so they track it back to this area. And so when we get depressed, when we come against obstacles, when things go against us, when we lose our job, when relationships break down, when all these things start weighing on us, that we there's some evidence that 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 the brain chemicals and the way it works kind of not only do we get depressed, but the motivation goes away. So how do we build it back? And we talk about this and choose to win. How do we build it back? And it's real simple. We've, we've got to have a why we've, we've got to have the reason we're going through the motions anyway. And that's why we start the whole book with why, why are we doing this? You know, Mm what's, what, what's the reason behind it? And then the second is, it's the, I think the psychological term is locus of control. And there's a bunch of studies on this, but basically when we can take a, a big why and break it down into a little bitty action that I can take right now, that'll get me closer to it then we've got locus of control. And when we take that action, we get an endorphin hit, our our brain chemicals change, we get the satisfaction of moving in the right direction and that builds momentum. Mm-hmm. And that momentum and that action builds motivation. And so it starts with hope, hey, a reason to go forward, that's what hope is. And then motivation starts to go, okay, 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 what do I do? And then we own it, we grow it, By taking little steps in the right direction. And so what's a habit? A habit is simply a good decision made over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's a good choice made over and over again. It's a good action made over and over again. And then someone of superior genetic heritage, a young man named Caleb Miller, (laughs) your son, Mm -hmm. I was having dinner with your dad Mm -hmm. and Caleb. And Caleb looked at me and said, how do I know? If I have a bad habit Hmm. and this goes back to the why, because if you don't have a goal, a dream, a why, an aspiration, something you're going for, you don't know if you have a bad habit. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Because let's face it. If your goal is to get lung cancer, smoking is a fantastic habit. Hmm. Right. That's great. And so that's, that's where, we take the theory of, you know, hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a plan, but until there's hope, we won't take action. Yeah. Right. And the action is the key and the book makes it so practical to start making the actions small and repeatable that build the momentum and that builds hope and that gets results and that changes your life.
0: Well, and the, other piece then that you put in that Trinity was grit, which I love the word. Of course, that's John Wayne. If anybody's old enough like us to know, uh, true grit, true grit man. And in the definition that you give, it looks like the dictionary definition it says courage and resolve, uh, strength of character. And it made me re- real quick. Think of some movies that these are movies that I owned, uh, the born series, you know, Jason Bourne that series, the book of Eli that stars, um, Denzel Washington and then gladiator. And I I'm aware of why I like those movies. All those characters have, well, because out of those words, courage, resolve, strength, character, I love that word resolve. And those characters have unbelievable resolve, but they're not superheroes. They're not invincible. And so they have resolve and they go forward in those. And there is in essence, you know, nothing's going to stop them from, from trying to go forward. But sometimes things do, and they're dismayed at times in there. They're like, "Gosh, I, I feel compelled to do this. I think it's right. I think it's true." And yet, things happen in the movie, and, and there's times of dismay of like, "Oh my, this seems life-ending or or effort journey-ending." And yet, of course, they pick themselves up and they still continue to go forward. And that aspect of resolve, and it's it's not supernatural, but of, you know, do you want something enough? And then will you resolve, which comes to that commitment? So, I mean, yeah, when you think of grit, yeah, what is that core word that, that comes to Utah? I mean, is that, that ultimately it's somebody who's making a 100% they're totally in commitment.
1: Yep. Angela Duckworth talked about it in her book, okay. uh, grit. And it's that idea of getting knocked down a hundred times, getting up a hundred one, right? The world says you can't do that. And you say, watch me. Yeah. Now what we talk about in the book is you need unbelievable grit, that perseverance, that steadfastness, that persistent consistency that says, you know what, I'm doing it. I don't care what happens, but here's the key. We really need to take an inventory on what our gifts and talents are. Okay. What, what are we good at naturally? What are the things that God's given us? What are the things and the experiences, the scars that we've earned that give us a leg up anyway and apply our grit to that. So I'll give you an example. I'm a whore uh, on a scale of one to 10 when it comes to singing, I'm talented on, on a level one as a singer. Okay. I mean, it's just, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. And we're not going to prove it either. Um, if I applied all my grit, my perseverance, my dedication, my discipline, everything, every human ability just to keep driving forward to my singing, I could probably move that one to a three or four. A dramatic difference. You're talking quadruple. I mean, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Which means I'll never get a record label. I'll yeah. never be invited to sing. I'll never make a career out of it. Now, I might find some other areas that I have gifts and talents in that go along in the music industry. Yeah, Like, you know, maybe I can write or maybe I can negotiate music contracts. I don't know. That's not my deal. Um, but the point is, is that we've got to apply grit in the right place. So it sounds like still got to have, well, almost like calculated.
0: We're looking at what can, what are we going to hope in? What are we going to have our desires towards? What are we going to resolve to? It's still calculated based on well, I guess that's hard, it's based on some evidence of our gifts. And we got to know ourselves.
1: Um, exactly. Exactly. I was gonna, then-
0: well, I want I want to, cause we're not, I was about to say the word evidence, but a lot of times we do go forward towards things that there may not be specific evidence of going after that pursuit, but you're talking about, yeah, but do the qualities that are, that it's going to need to go after that. Do you have some of those? And that's a different story. That is something
1: that we can yeah. have hope in. And this is what's cool because you see it every day. You you will uh and there's actually I read a study on this as well, but the people who man, they've got a passion for something, they're driven by a why, they've got some talent in it, they start applying all their grit in their talent area, and then they discover in that one niche where their real expertise is. And it's it's not exactly what they thought. Right? But it ends up being the The best of all worlds because they're in the area maximizing what they're naturally gifted in. And I, and I not I'm not sure if it was strength finders or Gallup or one of those organizations, they, they started to, to find out, okay, who are the most productive people in a large corporate environment and the most happy. Okay. Okay. So check this out. So what they discovered was, is that, when people would move into a corporate environment with a specific structure and they had a job description, once they kind of earned trust and pulled their weight, they were in an environment that they were allowed to do more of what they were good at, pick and choose, and less of what they weren't good at. So just think of an administrative assistant or an executive assistant. Mm-hmm. As they matured in the role and as they gained trust, the people around them would see. Wait a second, they're really good on the phone. They're really good with people. You know, they've and you know what? They're not good at doing the uh, the expenses. And so, what they did is that a person was then allowed to kind of almost customize their own position around their gifts, talents, and strengths. And that creates the highest productivity and the highest satisfaction level combined. Yeah. And that's what we're really talking about. So in that trinity of transformation, we're, we're really kind of getting at that idea of, okay, who are you? What's your passion? What are you good at? And then we've also got to identify what are the things that we're doing that are holding us back? Yeah. Because we got to cut those. We got to get rid of those.
0: Well, it reminds me of, okay, let's get into getting spiritual, getting into the Bible that, you know, as we seek God's will, um, those become our desires. It's not that, you know, Hey, we'll just, whatever desire you have, you know, God will fulfill. If, if we are training in that direction, in essence, if I can say that word, that we will by proxy want the things that God wants. And that's where it will come in. And in this, if we know ourselves the things that we want to pursue should fall in line with that. We shouldn't have somebody like you who's saying, my gosh, I have just, there's nothing I want to do more than sing," because not only do you say you're not do it too well, you probably have never spent much time doing it nor wanting to. That'd be like me being an accountant. I've, i I've, I've always been allergic to numbers. It's never been different. <laughs> I've never spent time doing it. So there's no reason I'm going to want to go. So if we find somebody who's way off kilter, going after something that has no relationship, they probably don't know themselves well. So it brings us back, you know, to knowing ourselves. And and so you've talked about, you know, the why and desire and hope and grit. And you've mentioned this a bunch of times, then the how, and if we look at the how and look at the aspect of goals and you and I have talked about this, I think we did a Q and a show on it once, but it's just so sequentially relevant in this uh, book of ingredients. If I can for success, to look at, I mean, Ziggler is about goals. I mean, is there, if, if you probably threw out the word Ziegler and said, what are some word associations to, you know, the people that know Ziggler, uh, goals has got to be top three. If not, you know, if not number one goals, but I love the, th- the message that you brought from your mentor, Bob TD about it's somewhat semantics. It's the way we look at it. It's still the same end result surgery, but that, Uh, Not everybody is a goal setter. Goals does not resonate with everybody. Uh, A lot of people, and I'll let you share the stats, are motivated by problem solving. And to me, it's a big freedom to be able to embrace that different perspective because I'm still in your thunder a little bit. More people are that way. So tell us about it.
1: Yeah. In fact, we had a class last week. We had a two-day workshop, the Choose to Win workshop. Can you believe that? Beautiful. Uh, We had 21 people in the room, and I said... And this is a very Ziegler group. Uh, they're much more goal-oriented than the general population. Mm-hmm. And here was the question. So everybody who's listening, answer just answer to yourself, A or B. Do you wake up every morning fired up and excited about the goal that you're going to go and accomplish? the The dream, the aspiration, you know, you're looking in the future, that's it. You break it down into steps. You put the plan in place. Or... Are you a problem solver? I mean, do you look at what's ahead of you for the day and you see all the problems and you create the to-do list, the checklist of problems that you're going to solve all day long? And every time you solve one, man, you get to put the the check, you know, you get to cross it off the list. About 80% of people fall into the problem solver category.
0: That's, That's significant.
1: Yeah, it is. But here's the good news. And so we are known as probably, you know, the premier goal setting and achievement company out there. We've got the Ziegler Performance Planner and we've got an amazing goal setting system in it. And we talk about it in the book. But the new wrinkle is the seven steps to setting a goal are the exact same seven steps to solving a problem. Hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say that that your goal is to weigh one hundred and eighty five pounds. So you write, I enjoy weighing hundred and eighty five pounds, <laughs> but your problem is is you weigh two fifteen mm-hmm. right So you could write it out as my problem is I weigh two hundred and fifteen pounds. So then that's the first question. You've identified what the problem is. And by the way, dad said this, it's not negative to identify a problem. It's only negative if you stay focused on the problem. Yeah, You've, you've got to go solution oriented. So the second, the second step in the goal setting process is what are my benefits from achieving this goal? And guess what? You can rephrase that question. What are my benefits from solving so, this problem? It's exactly the same. What are the mountains and obstacles I have to overcome to achieve this goal? What are the mountains and obstacles I've got to overcome to solve this problem? And so I want to I breathe like a breath of fresh air to everybody who feels guilty because goals don't light your fire. Yeah. Solving problems mm-hmm. does. Hey, all I want to challenge you. Here's the mind shift switch is just use the same system, but call them problem solving and you'll rock the world. I, I think it's a significant perspective issue.
0: Cause I, as I looked at it, there are some things that I would say, man, that's something that I want. That's a desire. And I have a goal to achieving that and going towards that. But I think by far and large, I think of things as a as a problem. I am not okay if this doesn't happen because there's a circumstance uh, that I'm in right now and I'm not being able to do X, Y, Z. So I, I have a problem. How do I solve that? And I want to go forward that. So to me, again, it was freeing. And obviously, you know, 80%, as you say, 80% are
1: problem, 82%. Statistically, they think it's right around 80%. The, the three numbers I heard was about 20% love goals are motivated by goals. Yeah. They, they are orient their life that way. 80% are kind of the problem solvers, to-do list, checklists. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere around 1% or a little bit less are what they call opportunists. Hmm. And all they look around and they just see opportunity where everybody's having a fit. They run into it and go, man, look at all this opportunity. And so they, to me, they kind of like see into the future and they the problems and goals kind of merge. Yeah. And I think, I really think these are the, like the, the, you know, the Richard Bransons. Yeah. I my uncle Bernie Lofchick, who dad uh, talks so much about in his life. I said, uncle Bernie's extremely successful in business. I said, what was your secret? He said, Oh, anytime I saw a problem, I just run to it. He says, he said, there's, there's money in problems. And what he was really telling me is, man, when people are upset, that's opportunity. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm well, like, my nature's the opposite. I'm like confrontation. Yeah.
0: I'm yeah, leaving.
1: Yeah. Me, <laughs> me as well. Well, but it's interesting. just like
0: the personality profiles, like D I S C for, for, to take an example of that, that we often want to paint ourselves and others in one frame of that or introvert, extrovert, whatever. And I think so often we, you know, it depends on the circumstance, the environment, the whatever that you, we're not all thoroughbreds. And I would say in that, I, as I'm thinking about it, you're talking about it. I, I see some things that I am goal oriented. I see some that I'm problem. And sometimes I see an opportunity as well. So as people are hearing out there, I think the beauty is, is figuring it out. My gosh. Yeah. If you've been here and especially just the one term for this goals for so long, and it's never thrilled you, you've never, you struggled to sit down and write that goals worksheet that here's another perspective, sit down and go, what are the problems you want to make better in your life? It's just, it's so incredibly, uh, I think it's a a revelatory perspective. Um, well, the book then, I mean, so much of the book, this was, uh, confirming, I guess, Tom, as I looked at it, uh, to have so much of what you've learned to have you, be the influencer that you are to be involved with so many people, to be at the heart and the core and the roots of personal development, personal growth, self-hope motivation, inspiration. And the thing that you devoted the majority of your book to was digging deep into the daily habits surrounding or encompassing the seven spokes in the Ziegler wheel of life. And it made me think of that term of, uh, you know, don't, don't tell that I could hear you saying that, look, whatever you're going to do, don't tell me what you're going to do. Just show me your daily habits in these seven spokes. Now I know you do a ton of executive coaching. You haven't done it with me. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that you do in that, but for you to come down to the simplicity of that and go, look, it is wrapped up here. It's what you do or what you don't do. It was, it was really confirming because it's simplistic in the sense that we all have, again, going back to, we all have the ability to choose and I have the ability to make a plan for myself to write it out and to wake up in the morning and start endeavoring at least to do those daily habits. Don't have to knock it out of the park day one, but to do those. And I, again, it was, I think, I think, I think for everybody, it will be not only confirming to see the ability to do those, but then how you go in and you really just go deep and break down each of those spokes to a way that I think it's going to be really hard for people not to to read it and to, and to come out and not be able to at least take as you say you know a, a baby step
1: towards one yeah the bottom line is in order for us to have the life we've always dreamed possible right the the the, the to me the obvious given that people really don't consider is I've got to, I've got to have balanced success. I've got to be winning mentally, my mindset, the way I see the world, my, you know, you know, just my nature on the spiritual side, my peace of mind, you know, how good do I sleep at night? The character qualities that I have physically, man, if I don't feel good, if I don't have good physical health, the family, golly, you know, what's the point if we don't have good family relationships? Yeah. The financial, if we're dependent on everything from someone else, that's not a good situation. Personal, are we, Are we? Whether it, whether you call it self-care or creating the space time so that you can create energy in your own life to pursue the things that are meaningful to you. And finally, your career, whatever it is that you want to do, whether you're a business owner or investor or, or whatever that is. If you don't start thinking, gosh, in order for me to have my life at the level I want, I've got to be eight, nine, or 10 in all of those areas. So what are the simple choices in each area that will lay that foundation that I can turn into habits that will automatically produce the fruit I want in my life? That's what the book is. And if there's not, I wish there was a shortcut. Uh, I wish there was a magic pill. I wish there was this, but here's what's even better than that: it's not complicated. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. It's well, and it's, it goes back to the thing. It's not.
0: It's so simple, but we won't minimize that it's not. Or it's not easy uh, right. as well. You know, going to bed tonight at an earlier time letting the alarm clock go off tomorrow, not hitting snooze five times until you just have to bolt up and, and rush out with a, an unhealthy morning. I mean, that is not, that's, that's a, that's habits, man. We're talking about personal change in a significant way. You know, you started out the show and I said, okay, okay, I'm going to get, we're going to get there. Well, here we are. It, it's a wheel, a wheel doesn't have a start or an end necessarily. And so is, is the order a big deal, but, Interestingly in your book, you do start off with mental and you talked about that, the power of the input. And I was curious as well, as an executive coach, as Tom Ziegler, do you, would you put that first? Number one,
1: go ahead. Every day. Yeah. And, and I've really struggled. Okay. Of the seven spokes on the wheel which one's the most important. Mm -hmm. And there's three that I argue have to be considered in that race. I was going to
0: ask you, that was my next
1: question. Top three. So go. So the top three are mental, spiritual, and physical. Hmm. And those three come before family, by the way. And, if people say, well, physical is the most important because if you're sick and tired and you've got heart problems and you don't have any energy and you have no clarity, then everything else is never going to be good. Hey, you know what? I agree. I'm not going to have a problem if you want to start focusing on your physical, getting your physical health back because when you do, your energy, your clarity, your ability to do more goes up. However, the way human beings are, is we join the gym in January, we quit in February, even after we've gotten in better shape. So there's something foundational that's driving that. Mm-hmm. So then I went to spiritual. That's the way I was raised. Uh there's nothing about life. And the spiritual qualities that we have are the essence of who we are. And if we don't have integrity, if we don't have these, you know, love and these different things in life is going to be horrible. And so if you want to make that number one, I'm good. But what I did is I cheated (laughs) because I think before that, even it starts with the choice. Yeah. And that's a mental decision. So mental comes first. The number one choice, the number one habit is to choose the right input, And the input we choose first is spiritual input. And then we follow that with the physical. The reason family comes forth is because as the man or woman of the house, right? The mom or dad, your own family, the only way you can really have the right kind of impact on your family is if you lead by example. And that gives you the influence. So you get your mental, your spiritual, and your physical right. Then you have the position to be the influence and the example in your family.
0: You know, Tom, and I mentioned before earlier in the show, my interview with David Meltzer, and I think it was in the habits portion when we talked about that. And we weren't talking about the order of the spokes, but in, in one of the spokes, I don't know, he came to and he says, you know what I used to put, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, but you'll get the gist of it. And as it says, I used to you know, say, Hey, what's first, you know, it's God, family work, whatever first. He says, now I put me first. And he said, it sounds narcissistic at the beginning, but to what you said, you know, family fourth, if you are not Men, taking care of yourself mentally, right input and, and, and programming yourself there mentally. Well, if you're not spiritually solid, and if you're not in physical, decent health ability, if you don't have that, how much can you serve your family? And that's what, you know, my work in the, the health and wellness arena, that's where we see more and more patients coming from. It's generally the, the, the avatar is a woman in 40 to 50, 35 to 50, Generally, who has kids who has just been pouring, 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 pouring out. She takes care of everybody, not tending to herself. And now she's at the end of her rope and can't think clearly, uh, doesn't have any joy uh, to give anyone. And she's she's sleeping more and more now and not getting any rest. I mean, just just kind of wrecked at the literally at the end of the rope. That's the term that we hear so often at the end of the rope looking for some help. And we're having to say, you've got to come first. And it makes sense logically. Well, or does it, it makes sense when we talk about it, technically that you can't pour out unless you're full, but man, it's not, I don't, I don't know if any, we weren't taught that where are we taught this, that you've got to be full. And and obviously it can go over into a narcissistic side. Um, if, if it's just all about our own self-care, but it's pretty revolutionary, Tom.
1: Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's like, just in a family relationship, the husband and wife, Mm -hmm. they have to put them, they have to put their relationship first. Yeah. Right. The, 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 you know, the kids get security from that relationship. And if they know that relationship is strong, then their security goes way up. The issues at home go way down. The stability goes way up. And so the things that seem counter, uh, are the things that make the big difference. We, every Monday morning we have devotions at our office and one of our Dwayne Owens, who's our ZLC chaplain was given, he talked about the movie. Did you see the movie Ray? Mm -mm. I I think he might've been talking about the last one, Ray Charles. Um, So there's a scene in that movie. I didn't see it, but, but Dwayne, I was like crying the way he explained it. So, Ray realizes he's going blind as a young boy. In my head, I've got him pictured like seven or eight. And he comes into the house and he trips on the front steps because he didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And he falls down and he cries, Mama, Mama, where are you? Where are you? And she's standing there watching him. And she realizes that 10 feet away, he can't see her. And so, what's the mother instinct? You go, pick them up, love on him, hug them. It's going to be okay. She says nothing because she knows he's got to figure it out. Hmm. And then he hears a bird outside singing. And then he hears the fireplace going. And then he hears a cricket chirping and he follows the sound and he grabs the cricket. And then he gets a big smile on his face and he says, Mama, I hear you breathing. You're right over there. Hmm. And it's like this complete transformation of this this little boy. He's like, wait a second. I can do this. Right? But that, I would love to know his mother's story. Somebody had to have poured into her, and she had to have poured into herself to know the difference between pouring out in a negative way to where there's nothing left versus knowing who she was and what she stood for and what she needed to do for her family. Right. And so that's where we get in trouble. When we get to the personal side, you know, we, dad created, you got to be, do, and have philosophy. You got to be before you can do, and you got to do before yeah. you can have, and you can't give until you have something to give. Yeah. So.
0: You're already working on next book. You surprised me with that a couple weeks ago. I didn't even know.
1: Is it fair to ask for a sneak peek? Sure. Tell us. So the working title of the book is atmosphere. And I'm working on four parts of it. Conceive it, choose it, create it and cultivate it. You know what? Spell it. So people get it for sure. Atmosphere, like atmospheric pressure. Yep like we want to change the atmosphere. Yep. So in our world today, in our culture, the word culture is kind of scary even, you know, it's like, it's PC now it's, Hey, our company's got this such and such a culture. And so, you know, what happens if you don't fit and what happened, you know, when I go home, does the culture go with me? Um, atmosphere is bigger than that. It's spiritual. It's, And you've been there, Kevin. I mean, I know I've I've been in manufacturing plants that you walk in and it's dirty and dusty and smoky and people, you know, they're doing the gritty stuff. And the atmosphere is amazing because they're family. Everybody loves each other. They got each other's back. You know, they celebrate birthdays and Thanksgiving. I've been to the ivory tower, you know, the 60th floor overlooking a city of millions and the atmosphere is dead. You know, it's like a mausoleum. It's just... It's just dead, decaying things laying around, everybody's on edge they don't you don't know if they care and in our culture today, there is this idea of there is no standard and there is no grace. Think about it when we go outside in the world, um, there is no standard. hey, you can believe what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you don't believe what I believe, you get no grace.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Right. And, and so we're stuck, right? It's like, and so what, what I'm kind of, one of the themes of the book is we've got to go out with the highest standard and the deepest grace. Yeah. Right? We've got to live for the truth. And we, we have a responsibility and we're empowered as people, as individuals, to create the create the atmosphere wherever we go. Like, let's, instead of just being, whether you want to call it a victim of where you are or, you know, kind of a pinball and a pinball machine of where you are, that's the way most of the people go through life. Hey, I don't have control over this. It's too big for me. There are some people who predetermine they're going to change the environment. Yeah. And you, when you see them, it's like, Whoa, what's up with that person? <laughs> Guess what? They made a decision to do that. And so we can create the, the atmosphere in our home, in our, in our office, if we're the owner in our area, if we work at that company, when we go out to a restaurant, it doesn't matter. We can create an atmosphere. And I think, I think that's where the real power for change is going to be is, is people who, who own that, who take that. And so I'm, I'm excited about the book because it applies whether you're an executive trying to take your company to the next level. How can you do it without having the highest standard? Yeah. Or if you're at home trying to take your family to the next level, how can you do it without the highest standard? And then the reality is is we're people, man, we mess up. We're going to, how do you love someone unconditionally without the deepest grace? Yeah. And then there's the, there's the, the the question, how do we have both at the same time? Tom, I
0: it's, it's a powerful message for me because as you know, being in this industry and pursuing personal growth and bringing it, you know, first and foremost to my family and we set high standards. We've done a good job of that. We have not always had, uh, done a good job of having the deepest grace uh, amidst it and literally have grappled with for years of saying, okay, yeah, we believe that this is good, but how do you have grace for somebody who does not know that or is not, you know, is not following that and for ourselves as well. And so, um, I want, I want the first
1: copy, uh, first off (laughs) and, uh, uh, the first copy is like five grand. So uh, just go, <laughs> okay, I'll start, I'll start saving.
0: And, uh, it was interesting to me too, just that term, uh, that word at most or 80 and my first thought was at attitude. And, uh, I don't know if there's anything
1: more Ziegler specific than attitude. I am, I am learning how to say the word atmosphere. Cause I, it, I don't, it's I don't, a it's, little hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. A, uh, but great title. And we're trying to coin a phrase. We're trying to really breathe that word out there because it's toxic right now. Mm-hmm. The, at, the atmosphere is toxic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so how do we fix it? I, I do this little illustration. If if you take a sheet of paper and at the top of the sheet of paper, you put highest standard or we could put truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And at the bottom of the paper, you put deepest grace, or you could put unconditional love. Mm. The middle is where our culture is, which is no standard and no grace. Mm. So think of it as a business. If you want to grow your business, you need to raise the standard. The higher the standard that you strive to in your field, the better your business is going to do. Well, yeah. guess what that does? It creates room for growth, and people love to grow. I mean, we're no, we're more no more alive than when we're growing. It's like, can you be alive without growing? Yeah. Right. Well, so we give people room to grow, and then when we give grace, that goes down to the bottom. That means there's even more room to grow. And here's the here's the two words that uh, that I see right now. And that is the confusion between acceptance and approval. Okay. And so if one of your kiddos messes up, you've, you accept them unconditionally. Mm -hmm. You don't approve of that behavior. Mm -mm. I got friends from all over and, you know, different faiths, no faith at all different lifestyles. Hey, look, man, a hundred percent accepted, I love you unconditionally, and guess what? I hope you love me unconditionally, but you probably don't believe that I've that my beliefs are all right, right? I mean because you got different beliefs Does it mean we cannot have unconditional love for each other? No, we can, and so that's what we got to lead with.
0: well, let's lead with that and no better ending for this show, man. I'm just, I, the book is a gift. Um, thank you for doing what you've done to bring it forth and, um, uh, excited for the audience to hear this. And folks, you can of course get the book, uh, and I'll have this in the intro you can get it wherever you buy books, go to Ziegler.com, do it there or buy it wherever.
1: Uh, I assume it's, it's on, No, I've seen it. it's on audible, um, as well, isn't it? It's everywhere. everywhere. And we've, we've got on audible, uh, Amazon Ziegler.com, uh, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, everywhere you get it. Don't forget if you've already got the book and you want the the digital journal, uh, just, just email me, Tom at Ziegler.com. Yeah. And the other thing that, that we have that's coming out is we are doing the choose to win coaching system. And this is for people who are already a coach or who want to be a coach. And I've taken this kind of habits concept for the personal life. And that's what you actually teach in the choose to win coaching. That's what you're teaching. You're taking people through all areas, but the number one challenge that coaches have, they don't have the support. They don't have the business systems. They don't have the, the process is in place and so we're kind of we're, we're coming at it from a different angle we've created systems or habits that we support coaches in so they can build a profitable business and so we have a pretty cool uh, it's just launching uh, this month and you can find out more about it We have a free webinar you can go to Ziegler.com forward slash coaching systems. So I'm, there's something new every day. Yeah. Um, I think I could probably spend hours and hours on any one word in the book. <laughs> so I apologize for running my mouth.
0: No, man, it's the gift. Thank you. That's why we're here. Um, Tom, yeah, again, man, just just such a gift. And uh, folks, yeah, check out the book. It's one to dig into. It is one to apply to your life. And I think you'll find that it hits Uh, it's one of the more actionable messages you will find on progressing forward and the success you want Tom brother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go. Friends wisdom from the legacy of Ziegler and the present day insight from Tom Ziegler. Again, you can get Tom's book, choose to win at Ziegler.com or wherever you get your books. And again, as I talked about at the beginning of the show if you are a coach or want to be a coach, go to Ziggler.com slash coaching systems for Tom's new offering. Coming up next in show 720, we discuss how to keep relationships healthy amidst demanding work and business. I mean, business and making money and keeping up with the demands of work tend to take priority in our lives. And to a great degree, those pursuits are have to issues. Of course, we all value the relationships in our lives, but to truly nurture them amongst the former demands is tough, even with the best of intentions. So I polled the Ziegler audience and asked them, with the demands of your job or business, what do you do to make relationships a priority? What are your main challenges? So I was joined by Brian Dixon, our guest from episode 715, where we talked through the message in his new book, Start With Your People. Brian's responses to the candid comments were just significant and we'll give you some strategic and actionable steps that you can put into place to nurture the relationships in your life, even as you fulfill your demanding work and life schedule. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.